Our first lesson comes from Genesis chapter 3, beginning at the 8th verse. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And so they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man saying, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid for I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And he said, the woman who you gave to be with me She gave me the fruit and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be against your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and bristles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired the writing of Genesis 3. And we believe these words not only had power in the day they were written, But these words have power this day because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Father, send your Holy Spirit afresh to open this word for us now. Open our ears that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. We are all homesick, and Advent teaches us how we will get home. We are all homesick, but Advent teaches us how we can go home. No matter how much at home we may feel in this world, this is not our home. We have a true home, and we remember it in our bones. That's what this Genesis 3 text does for us, is remind us of the garden from which 
we came. It reminds us of how we were cast out from our home because of our own actions. And most importantly, it reminds us of the path home. Our experience in this world seems to vacillate between trying to get very at home in this world when we're having a good week, when the situation around us is positive, ah, I feel at home, or the opposite, feeling so out of place in this world. Living in Deerfield during Christmas Palooza with all the lights is an interesting experience. This is our fifth Christmas here. And I think this year we finally have made it feel like our own home. Because we have some friends who do wood cutouts and they, without us even asking, made us some wood cutouts for our Christmas display in front of our house. And it's perfect. It's four little girls in hockey uniforms. <laughs> and when they asked us, once they told us they were making them, what team we wanted, we said, well, just put Team Canada on there so that there's these red maple leaves on each jersey, four little girl hockey players at the front of our lawn. And I thought, great, this feels more like home. But as I'm setting them up, there's a car driving by with their windows down. And I hear the conversation in the car pointing at our house saying, what are those supposed to be? Oh, I think they're four little Girl Scouts. And I thought, just when I start feeling like I'm at home here, no one can recognize a hockey uniform when they see one. The truth is, as much as we at time may feel more at home, we are not ultimately at home here. There is a home we are longing for, and Advent teaches us how to long for it and how it ultimately will be realized for us, that homecoming. You see, that Advent wreath is a symbol for us of how Advent does this. Advent begins in the dark, not denying the dark, not ignoring the dark, but starts in the dark, recognizing the challenge, the discomfort that we experience in this world. And then slowly, candle by candle, light comes into this season, but not all at once, slowly, but surely. This text from Genesis 3, which shows us where our homesickness began is kind of the same way. It begins very dark, but at the end, light breaks in and shows us how we can go home. See, if you'll turn with me to Genesis 3, we're going to find first that we human beings are rebels. We are in rebellion against our creator. But not only are we rebels, but we're rebels that ended up wrecking the house, wrecking our home. Our rebellion wrecked and destroyed and messed up everything. It's a very dark way to begin, isn't it? Happy Advent. 
But the story ends with lights. Though we are rebels that have wrecked our home, the story ends with God wrapping us in the sign of how we will return. He wraps us in grace and shows us the way that we can go home. See, first, we need to acknowledge that we're rebels. As Friedrich Buechner says, we need to realize that the gospel is always bad news before it's good news. We're rebels. God gave us everything. Genesis 1, 28. What does he say to the man and his wife? God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over what? Over everything. Dominion. God gave us everything we needed to thrive and flourish in this world. There was one restriction. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. You hear that? God gave us everything and one restriction. And that one restriction ended up being enough to cause a wholesale rebellion. To say, God is holding out on us. And the serpent plays right into that. The serpent comes and plays at this within us. The temptation is to say, God is holding back something from you. You can't flourish under his restrictions. Restrictions? One tree that we were not to eat for our own sake. And we rebel. It's interesting to follow the blame game in the text. You know, the man blames the woman and the woman blames the serpent and the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> but the truth in fact, is that Adam's blaming God. The blame is in fact towards God. Listen to his words in verse 12. Listen carefully. Verse 12, Adam says, the woman whom you gave to be with me gave me the fruit and I ate. You did this, God. Adam's root blame is that God has somehow misprovided. God somehow got it wrong. God, you made me in such a way and you made her in such a way that we cannot live according to your call in our lives. It's ridiculous. It's rebellious. It's pride. See, the root of all of this, as we see again and again, is pride. I remember going to a clergy retreat early on in my ministry. And during that clergy retreat, our bishop was there and he did what often bishops will do in those kind of retreats is 
we'll set aside private confession times for all the clergy. The clergy can come and one by one have a private confessional moment because we have the responsibility of hearing everyone else's confession and in Jesus' name declaring their forgiveness. And we need the same. We need to hear those words. There's something powerful about hearing someone, a real person, flesh and blood across from you, hear your sins and say, because of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. And I sat there pouring out my laundry list of sins. And at the end, my bishop said, he said, because we can do that. We always can give a little bit of advice. It says in the prayer book, pastoral advice may be offered. And he said, do you want some advice? And I said, yes. And he said, you know, the root of all this is pride. I said, oh, you're right. It's pride. I could see it. It was so clear. Every one of that laundry list of sins always rooted in pride. I came out and we sat at lunch that day and a bunch of the clergy, we'd all been to the bishop. Our heads were down a little bit, you know. Actually, our heads were up. We were forgiven now. But we said, we said, we didn't share our laundry list of sins, but I said, you know what? It was interesting. At the end of the day, the bishop said, all my sins were rooted in pride. And the next priest said, he said the same thing to me. And he said, all my sins were rooted in pride. And, and we went around and we thought, we are the most prideful bunch of priests ever to gather here. But the truth of the matter is, that is the advice for every single sin any one of us will ever offer. The root of all of our sin, every sin comes back to that root sin of pride. We think too much of ourselves. And you can see it in the language of Adam and Eve. Listen to their I statements. It's all about them. It just jumps off the page when you listen for the I statements. Verse 10, Adam says, I heard, I was afraid, I was naked, I hid. Verse 12, I ate. Verse 13, the woman says, I ate. As Walter Brueggemann says, their own speech indicts them. They're no longer focused on the Lord. They're no longer focused on stewarding the garden they've been given. They're just focused on themselves. As Cornelius Plantinga says, God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit, but when we are proud, we're already full of ourselves. There's no room left for God. We're rebels. We're prideful rebels. And we wrecked it all. We wrecked our home. In our rebellion, in our prideful rebellion, humanity wrecked our home. And you see that it's not just us that we wrecked. We wrecked everything. We wrecked creation. We wrecked ourselves. We brought pain and we brought sweat and we brought death on ourselves. You are dust and to dust you shall return. But we also wrecked all of creation with it. Look at verse 17. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you. As Paul will say in Romans 8, 22, the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. All of creation yearning for redemption because we broke creation. And God's response, let's be clear, is not passive. It's, it's not neutral. 
It's not like, oh, well, I saw this coming. I knew this was the day. Verse eight, we often read it, I think, the wrong way. We imagine verse eight the wrong way. Because you read verse eight, after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, the immediate response is they know they're naked and they hide themselves Because verse eight says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So they were afraid and hid themselves. And and the way we read that often is we think, oh, it's like a picturesque little hide and seek moment. Where are you? I'm here. Oh, there you are. But we're imagining the whole verse wrong. Because verse eight, when it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, cool, is the word ruach for spirits or breath or wind. And day actually has got a much better ancient root, which means storm. Most scholars will now agree that the best way to translate verse eight is Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in a thunderstorm of judgment. And that's why they are afraid and they hide because God comes down in his righteous, wrathful anger and says, where are you? You have broken my creation to its very foundation. Cursed is the ground because of you. Death and decay have come into an eternal creation because of us. We wrecked it. That's why Jesus, in John chapter 11, that famous funeral text, when he comes to Lazarus' grave, we're told in verse 33 that he was deeply moved. (laughs) Doesn't grab the full meaning of that word. It means indignant. It literally means Jesus snorted. It's a guttural, deep groaning within Jesus because he's looking at death and he's furious at it. Death was never part of the world we made. Death was never supposed to be part of this creation. And you have broken it. And he weeps over death. You know, I'm often frustrated with my Golden Doodle. He's stupid. (laughs) And he's disgusting. And he's disobedient. And I get really frustrated. But the truth is, I read this text and I need to go home and apologize to my dog. Because he's stupid and he is disgusting and he is disobedient because I broke creation, not him. We are rebels and we wrecked our home. But the gospel is here. It may seem hidden, but it's here. Verse 21. Oh, it's all over the text, but just verse 21 for today. That that final moment before God kicks them out of the garden. It says that the Lord God 
made for Adam and Eve garments of skins and clothed them. And we can just read past it and go, oh yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they were kind of weirded out about being naked now because they were sinful and shameful. No, do you hear it? Garments of skin? Where does the skin come from? This is the first moment in creation when something needs to die in order to cover the sin and the shame of the man and woman. The Lord God has to put something to death so that its flesh can cover over the sin and the shame of the man and the woman so they can live no longer naked and ashamed. To hide their shame, another has to die. They cannot cover their own sins. Another's flesh must cover their sins. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he says, Jesus bore our sins in his flesh on the cross. By his wounds, you have been healed. What do we say about baptism? Galatians chapter 3 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In the moment that we were expelled from the garden, God wrapped us in the sign of our return. This is how we will one day come home to the garden because we have been wrapped in the flesh of one who has been sacrificed for our sin. Do you see that man cannot fix what we have broken? We, we can't go home. We're home wreckers. Unless the one whose home we wrecked calls us home. There's a story of a Brazilian mother growing up in a poor village and her daughter deciding she wanted a better life for herself when she was still a teenager, decided to leave home and go to Rio de Janeiro, the big city. But the mother said, don't go. A beautiful young girl like you, I know the kind of trouble you'll end up. I know the kind of places you'll end up. I know the exploitation of that big city. But the girl was headstrong and she left. And after a time when the girl had not returned, the mother sold what she had and bought a bus ticket to Rio de Janeiro. And she spent all the rest of her money at a photo booth, taking photos of herself, the mother taking photos of her own face. She had a stack of photos. And she wrote a note on the back of each one of those photos. And she went into the roughest, harshest places to the meanest and cruelest places. 
and in the restrooms of nightclubs would find a mirror and tape on one of the photographs of herself. And on a bulletin board elsewhere would tape on a photo of herself. And on a phone booth would tape on a photo of herself. And she went until all the photos had been taped up around the big city. Many, many months went by until the daughter in one of those nasty, broken places in the restroom saw her mother's photo taped to the mirror. She was shocked and went and removed the tape to look at the photo of her own mother. Turned the photo over and read the note. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, you are my daughter and you can come home. And she did. We are all homesick in this world. And Advent teaches us to long for home and teaches us the way we will return. It's why we come to church each week. Because each week we rebel fresh in new ways and we start to wreck our home again in new ways and we come in and here get a taste a foretaste of home here we get a foretaste of the feast that brings us home the means by which we make them home. The means that we are wrapped in so that we can come home. The flesh torn and the blood poured out so that we, home-wrecking rebels, can and will come home. We are Rebels. Advent reminds us of that. We have wrecked our home. Advent reminds us of that, the dark world we live in. But we are able to come home. We can return because He wraps us in His grace. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve garments of skins and covered them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.